0: This podcast from Teacher is supported by Bank First. The bank built by teachers for teachers. Visit bankfirst.com.au or speak to us to find out how your home loan or savings can care for the community like you do. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Teacher, episode three in our Action Research series. I'm Zoe Kaskamonidis. As a teacher, if you've ever been interested in pursuing research alongside your teaching practice but haven't known where to start, this episode's for you. Today we're joined by Sarah Durack, a secondary science and mathematics teacher based in Sydney. Sarah has just finished her honours thesis on the topic of school to university transition, which she completed part-time while working a full-time teaching job. As a teacher by day and researcher by night, Sarah tells us that while it wasn't easy, it was certainly rewarding. In this episode, she shares what it was like to juggle this workload, takes us through some of her research findings, and offers some tips for educators who may be interested in pursuing research themselves.
1: Before we jump into this episode, it would be great if you could take just a few moments to give a rating of our podcast if you're listening to this audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're listening on the Spotify app, just click on the three dots, then rate show. And if you're on the Apple Podcasts app, you'll find the rating section by scrolling down to the bottom of our podcast channel page. On Apple Podcasts, you're also able to leave a short review for us. Leaving us a rating or a review helps more people like you to find our podcast and is a really big support for our team. Thanks for taking the time to support the work we're doing. Let's dive into this episode.
0: Hi Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So you've just finished your honours thesis, which has seen you combining researching part-time with a full-time teaching job. We'll get onto that in a moment, but how long have you been teaching for and what's your current role?
1: So I've been in teaching, this my fourth year. So I've taught for three years full-time. Um, And before that I was actually running a tutoring business. So I've I've kind of been tutoring since 2009. So I guess teaching formally three years, but a little bit of um, ad hoc practice before then, which definitely helped. Um, I'm a science teacher, but I'm also trained in mathematics. So I'd like to do a bit of both where I can. Um, And I'm working at an independent girls school on the North shore. Um, And the school has over a thousand students.
0: Mm. And is the postcode study and research side of things something you've always been interested in?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I finished my science degree in 2013 um, at UCID. I went through through their um, science program there. and I at the time wanted to do honors but wasn't well enough. so it was something I' kind of kept in my back pocket as a plan uh, to do, but I, I didn't manage it at the time. I still maintained interest of course. I think when you when you go through a science degree, you've kind of committed to a lifetime of enjoying learning. Um, and that was very much the case for me. Um, both my parents are also in academia, so I was well-versed in in the academic world and wanted to go back and do it at some point. And then when I got into teaching, I, I got quite interested in um, educational research because it's nice to be able to teach from an evidence-based perspective rather than just going off what you pick up as you go, which is equally important, but it's nice to have a backing in in evidence-based practice. So that's when I got kind of keen again um, and I, I had the research bug and so then I decided to, to go back and I completed my honours through that lens um, in education. Yeah.
0: And so for your thesis then, you've been carrying out a school-based research project. What is the topic and why did you choose this as the
1: focus? It's a great question. I've taught year 11 and 12 physics. This year I'm teaching senior chemistry and I've been tutoring maths and sciences and a bit of engineering since 2009, as I mentioned before. Um, and so've I've seen quite a few students move through the the process um, and go to university. but I've always been curious for the ones that haven't kept in touch how they actually fared at uni and whether they adjusted well to the scope um, and the more rigorous academic tasks that university provides and the kinds of environments that they'll find themselves in. yeah, the the increased rigor, I suppose. I've often wondered whether or not they've um, they've managed to navigate that that learning curve. And so unless they keep in touch, it's really hard to know um, how that happened. So that's why I was interested in the school to university transition because I think um, it's, it's an area that isn't studied enough. And especially for our Australian context, I, I wanted to uh, get my teeth into that topic and, and learn firsthand how students were navigating the change and whether or not their expectations of what they thought uni would be like were met with the reality that they experienced.
0: Before we talk about how you went about the research and what you found, what was it like combining these two aspects, so the research and the full-time teaching role, and how did you organise that?
1: If you ask people who know me well, I think um, they would say that it was a bit of a bonkers decision, and at times I definitely thought that myself. Schools aren't really set up to accommodate this sort of thing where you're researching part-time as well as working full-time. It's just not that common. And so I don't think there are systems and processes in place to support people who are doing this sort of extra load. I found that the slow burn was definitely the way to go. If I chipped away on the project on weekends, it sort of got done over a number of weeks. the the different sort of bits that I had to worry about, I suppose. But I found during reporting periods and other really intense times at school, the project would get shelved and vice versa. During school holidays, I got got heaps of time to work on it and I made really big leaps during those periods. Um, And yeah, towards the end of the project, I was working on it pretty constantly, which required family and friends to have a bit of uh, (laughs) understanding that I would be uh, I'm living under a rock for a while until I resurfaced with the the thesis complete and the talk done and the, the viva done so yeah it was a it was a time but it was really worthwhile and I'm I'm so glad that I did it and this was
0: all happening in the midst of the pandemic too wasn't it
1: yeah so there are a few changes that had to be made to the scope of the project so I needed to submit amendments to the ethics committee for example um because the way that we were going to collect data had to change. But I think teaching actually prepared me quite well for acting flexibly in the honours project, because, I mean, as a teacher, you're really used to the technology conking out on you and having a plan B. So in, in the case where the second lockdown came in, um, I was kind of emotionally prepared for having to change aspects of my project. Um, and I think my supervisors were perhaps quite surprised that I was like, okay, right, cool. Well, we'll just make the changes and we'll move on. You're not going to be able to change it, so you may as well just adjust to it and um, and work with what you can do.
0: We'll hear more from Sarah after this quick message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by BankFirst. BankFirst is proudly customer-owned, built by people just like you. Being customer-owned means we can divert our profits to support initiatives you care about like $750,000 towards grassroots initiatives in schools since 1983. Your BankFirst Home Loan can get you into your own home and support education for our kids. Email talk to a banker at bankfirst.com.au for more information. As someone who's juggled researching and teaching, what advice would you have for other educators looking to go down this path?
1: There are a number of pieces of advice from experience, things that I would do differently or things that I feel like I got right that I'd recommend doing doing a similar way. Picking a topic that you're passionate about, you've got to do that because working on it part-time, I mean, that changes a one-year project into a two-year project or more. Um, if it's a PhD or something like that, then you're turning a three to three-and-a-half-year project into a six-to-seven-year project. So it's got to be something that you can you can look at and be bothered by for a decent chunk of time choose a great supervisor i was super lucky with mine i had an amazing supervisor and also kind of an adjunct supervisor as well both of whom just stood by me through the whole process and were really accommodating with my schedule because i could only meet you know after five on zoom i think i saw both of them a handful of times throughout the two years i was working on this so they were really flexible and worked with me which is key and i think as well for a teacher if you're spending a lot of time at school as we all do pick something that you can do at or with school. That makes sense. Um, Perhaps a data collection project that's already happening at your school or uh, the results maybe are of interest to your school so you can get a bit of extra time or allowance that way. I think if you have support from the leadership or or the administration of the school, it will make life so much easier. And yeah, expect to do it part-time or even less than part-time. It's not something that you could do full-time in addition to full-time teaching. It would not be a recipe for health and happiness, (laughs) not at all.
0: Yeah, they're really great tips. So let's move on to talking about the research and your findings. First of all, then, what did your research involve?
1: Yeah, so I surveyed uni students at the start of and after their first semester at university, and I asked them things like how often would they expect to experience lecture demonstrations or lab work? Um, group work, independent work, and I gave them a choice of qualitative options like, you know, do you expect this to happen most of the time or often or occasionally or rarely or never? And so that part of the uh, survey that I gave the students was to work out how they expected to and then actually spent their time. I also asked students through similar surveys to respond to statements like uh, lecturers will expect me to attend all lectures, laboratories and tutorials. And that was sort of from a strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree or strongly disagree standpoint with the view to get a sense of whether students perceived expectations of them differently after they'd spent a bit of time at uni. And I also interviewed lecturers to see if they had similar or differing um, expectations to the students, see if there was a mismatch there, if they agreed Uh, And I also looked at students' academic results as well to see if these sort of incoming expectations or outgoing expectations had any bearing whatsoever on how they performed academically.
0: Mm, Fantastic. And so let's dig into the findings now. What were the highlights?
1: There were a number of interesting findings and I'll keep it short because I know people are time poor. But in terms of how students are spending their time, I think students had more lecture or received more time spent lecturing than they expected. Uh, And they also spent less time working alone and in groups than they expected going into uni. So when we surveyed pre and post that first semester, those expectations were changed. And I think that's indicative of students expecting uni to be a bit more like the high school environments that they've grown to to know and love. And when you think about it, teachers like me, I mean, we don't stand in the front of the classroom and just talk at students for 50 minutes without any um, feedback requested or getting them to do any activities or respond in some way or discuss with the person next to them. So I think that's interesting. Students are going into uni with these expectations that they've crafted with with their high school environment in mind, and that may lead to some mismatches. In terms of what students perceive lecturers expect of them, uh, students think that lecturers will expect them to attend all labs, tutes and lectures a little bit more when they come in, but by the time they've been at at uni for a semester, uh, that that perception that lecturers expect attendance actually drops off, which is interesting. Um, They actually also think that lecturers will expect them to catch up on missed work a little bit less at the end of first semester. The other interesting finding was that students were asked, do you think that lecturers will expect you to seek out their help outside of regular class time? And students said, yeah, I think so. About 60% of them agreed with that strongly or, you know, just normal agreement. And that dropped down to 35% after a first semester worth of time spent at uni. So I think that's interesting that students are changing whether they think they should be seeking out help. Yeah, so so that's, that's some interesting findings from the research. This was also done during COVID, mind you. Uh, and so we added a couple of extra questions in about do you think that the School of Chemistry, in this case, um, their response to COVID was particularly effective. And so students said, yeah, actually, we really appreciated the uh, organisation of the unit and the constant communications via Canvas. It kept people on the straight and narrow and, and feeling plugged into a support network. So that was quite nice feedback as well.
0: And as someone on the ground, you're teaching in secondary, were any of the findings particularly surprising to you?
1: Yeah, it was a bit worrying that some university students and the lecturers had mismatched expectations. So this idea that students are expecting not that much lecture and then lecturers, uh, well, in the case of the lectures that I interviewed, they actually were saying, look, we're already moving away from just standing out the front of a lecture theatre and talking at students for 50 minutes. We're actively incorporating, you know, active learning opportunities and worksheets and this sort of thing. But, and yet students are still saying, I'm getting too much lecture. So things like that, I think, were were a little bit surprising. Uh, It just goes to show you how strong the expectations are that students go into uni with.
0: And what happens with those findings? So obviously you've written your thesis, but in terms of informing practice and maybe reflection and future action, how will the findings be used by yourself and your colleagues?
1: Yeah, so I think my plans at the moment, although I haven't looked at it yet because I, I finished it in June, would be to write up this research for publication because there were some implications for student attrition in first year uni. You know, students are dropping off the bandwagon because perhaps expectations and reality don't don't match. And so I think people really need to know about that, especially in our Australian context. So I'll definitely be writing up and trying to get these results published Uh, The other interesting overlap, I think, with this research is as a teacher of science extension, which is this new unit that in New South Wales, the HSC is now offering. When I was doing this research, I was using techniques that students studying science extension were learning about. And so I think there's definitely scope there for improved PD around science extension. Like, teachers who are doing research are so valuable to students who are learning about research. So I'd like to see that given a bit more airtime. And the other thing that I've kind of inferred from this whole process is that data really is the way forward in education. We we can learn so much by analysing data in in ways that perhaps we don't spend enough time doing. It's, it's much more um, meaningful to do complex statistical analyses and get the gist of, of what the picture really is from those rather than just a quick mean and uh, perhaps median score, which most of our grading softwares will spit out for us. So yeah, I think tracking what students do after they leave school, especially in this context would be valuable and it should be done to benefit current and future students. So perhaps there's scope there as well for some sort of initiatives within schools to to do this.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for your paper down the track.
1: Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think if you're a teacher, you should think about pursuing research if if it's something that you've had a had an inkling of being interesting to you. Um, but you definitely need the right support to do it. And it's not a short term thing. If this kind of project of this size is not of interest, which I can completely understand many people not wanting to do, action research is a great way of picking out a smaller, more bite sized problem that you can you can really sink your teeth into. And uh, yeah, I think I think we should all be looking at doing this a little bit more, but it's all time. And so, you know, you've also got to ask yourself if I'm going to be committing to this, then what am I giving up? Because saying yes to something naturally means saying no to something else. I think it has to. Otherwise, you just have no time for yourself at the end of the day. So yes, proceed with caution, I think is the uh, take home message, but also enjoy it. It's It's a great way to spend time if it's something you're interested in.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice and really inspiring too. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you today, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's all for this episode of our Action Research podcast series. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you can keep up to date with our latest episodes. If you want to keep listening now, you can access the 200-plus episodes already in our archive. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher supported by Bank First. The bank built by teachers for teachers. Visit bankfirst.com.au or speak to us to find out how your home loan or savings can care for the community like you do.